Want to do better? Then it's time to change the story. Welcome to our show about new visions currently transforming the world through the confluence of art, tech, and innovation. And now your hosts, Michael Ashley and Neil Sahota. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Changing the Story. We've got an amazing guest today, Cliff London. He is an artist and a social commentator of matters of political importance concerning justice and equality for African-American citizens. A resident of Chicago, he is the host of the Cliff London Uncensored, Uncensored Show, in which he offers bold commentary concerning topical sociopolitical issues, especially pertaining to racial matters. Hey, Cliff, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, Cliff. As a visionary, what is the story that... Oh, thank you. So, Cliff, as a visionary, what is the story that you would like to share with the world or bring to the world? Uh, The story mainly I would like to bring to the world is uh, one of, I want to say, for lack of a better term, cultural renaissance at a very base level especially in pertaining to uh, Black people. Um, I think that a lot of our problems in society um, would be solved if there's, there's a lot of intercultural things that we need to change. Um, and I think that at that point, then you'll start to see a, you know, a change per se, because there's so many things that are deep-seated mm-hmm. that need to be changed. And I think it starts at um, yeah, just a base level. Uh, things like uh, more confidence, um, the family structure staying together, less um, dependence on uh, state-funded programs. Uh, because I believe that if we um, get some of these things corrected in these neighborhoods, business will want to come there, and our neighborhoods will start to prosper. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, you can move on to different things. Your, your children have summer jobs; uh, they can start to live normal lives. You don't have to travel miles to. Be grocery store and things of that nature. So Cliff, it sounds like one of the key first steps that we need to take is like community building. Absolutely. 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 But I don't want to, um, I don't want to come off as being negative and saying that there isn't a sense of community, but um, Mm -hmm. I'm speaking more of like image Um, and things like the uh, quote unquote, no snitch policy. Well, see, there's, there, there seems to be this thing, you know, and it's also in pop culture where, uh, negative elements that it's not cool to snitch on them, meaning people, you know, like drug dealers or that might be involved with um, different types of crime, even at, at low levels. You know, there's this no snitch policy. Uh, things like, okay, so maybe a bad element, maybe he uh, decided he's going to give out Thanksgiving turkeys or something, and therefore he's cool, but he's still a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to, I mean, I'm not trying, I know that this is not every neighborhood, but I'm speaking in generalities here just to save a little bit of time, you know? Sure, sure. But, um, you know, things like that and stuff. I mean, because it seems like, um, and a lot, it does this a lot in pop culture too, that, uh, you know, we don't, our community, we don't worship people like Thomas Sowell or Colton Hughes or any philosophers like that. It seems like that we tend to look at people like athletes for guidance and, you know, uh, rappers. And I like a lot of that music. I like athletes, but I do not want to be taking life advice, you know, because I don't relate to them. That's not my world. Sure, sure. Well, I think what you're saying is really important going back for a moment to community. I think that that's extremely important. And right now, especially what's going on in your city and cities around this country, what I think that we're seeing is is incredible divisiveness. Uh, We're seeing a lot of finger pointing, a lot of blaming, 
Yeah. And I, uh, what I, what I wish and what I hope happens is we see more calls for unity. And I wonder what your thoughts are about that. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that one thing that uh, a very positive thing that's come from all this, and I I think a lot of people aren't talking of it and being at my age, I'm a little over 40 uh, is that what I I remember other, other situations like this, Rodney King and uh, uh, way back then. And um, before you hardly saw any Caucasian people, it was almost like it was a um, a counterculture thing almost to be out there protesting. But this time, you know, I think people don't remember the history of this country. I mean, when you write it, there used to be attack dogs, water hoses, uh, and people being beat indiscriminately. But this time, what I saw was a country united in saying that, hey, we don't really like this. I mean, there was mostly white folk out there mm-hmm. protesting for their friends, their family. And I think that they're telling this narrative as if our country is this awful place as it was in the, you know, in the 60s. And it's just wasn't, and it's not who we are now. I think that we are one of the truly diverse nations in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I know that there are, there, I'm not going to say there's not institutional racism and things like that, but it's dying out, you know, very quickly because us, the general populace, we have changed, we have grown. Um, and I think that as far as a call for unity, I think that we were, I think that we were fine. We were improving before, uh, uh, before this, it seems like every four to eight years, some huge tragedy happens to throw us back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know that sounds a little bit conspiracy theory, but I mean, I'm over 40 years old and I'm going, <laughs> wow. Okay. This was four years. This was eight years. You know, right. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that cliff. I, I feel like we were making a lot of progress and then I think, there's some people that really don't like change and I feel like they're trying to force things back to the the good old days. And it's like, that wasn't mm-hmm. really good old days. Right, right, right. You know, so no, I, 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 I don't get it personally why we want to do that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, I think some people uh, profit off of uh, racism going on and profit off of a, a certain level of chaos going on. Um, because like I, like I said before, um, there are no there are no good old days. I don't know what they mean by the good old the good old days. Um, right. I'm thinking, you know, I remember certain things that happened when I was young that would never happen now. That would never happen now. Um, and also um, throughout history too, I think that uh, we're forgetting that in these protests, all of them, there have always been other races that have been be- behind us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think at the end of the day, Americans have always gotten together to make change, mm-hmm. you know, just like with Martin Luther King. You know, sooner or later, the American people took charge over the government. And I don't mean like in an uh, anarchist way. I mean, in a um, just a, just a show by loving one another like we were, like we had gotten to. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden this thing happened. And um, I don't am I, I still got a little bit a little bit of time here. Yeah. Oh, no, please. Please. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Go for it. Okay, so like, for example, um, this whole thing with uh, George Floyd, Mm -hmm. um, the narrative is such that all of a sudden they're saying that, you know, a lot of people are like acting as, oh, you know, blacks can't walk around. We have a target on our back. And it's 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 ridiculous. That's not uh, the country that we live in. I mean, I know there's some deep pockets in the south, but no, I can walk down the street just fine. But they're making this narrative like it's a black white issue and they should be concerned with the state in general because 
there was a black cop there. There was an Asian cop there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, you know, uh, and so, but them showing that picture of just the white man with a knee over and over and over again, putting that in people's brain over and over and over again, right. you know, serving that propaganda, you know, forcing that divide. So I think that they are taking a part in that division. You know what I mean? It's like pouring salt into a wound, so to speak. Right, right. Well, I think well, I think what you said was really, really important, and we're not hearing it too enough these days. That is that we were improving, and it is this is a country yeah. we're, we're a diverse country, and and as a person who has traveled a- across the world, um, I feel like we are very tolerant, very accepting um, uh, in in this country, and I think there are a lot of good things to be very proud of, and we've made a lot of progress in this country. Absolutely. And um, so when I when I hear you say that, it's refreshing to hear that, yeah, that you feel you. that way. Um, so. If you if you're talking about this narrative, because it sounds like there's there's a narrative going on right now that that we need to be divided, um, you know, where do you think this narrative is coming from? Oh, you know, I think that um, it's coming from a lot of uh, a lot of places, a lot of org- different organizations. But I want to say that I, I really do think that uh, a lot of these older politicians, you know, uh, you know, guys, older guys like Al Sharpton that just pop out of the woodwork every once in a while and Wait, waits for a tragedy to happen, because in my opinion, uh, you know, in the city that I live in, you know, and I think a lot of t- I think uh, uh, some organizations I'll leave some organizations out, but um, I think like someone like Al Sharpton, for example, who just comes in and um, drags up old things. I watched something of him uh, talking about the NFL protests, give Colin Kaepernick a job, but it's like I just realized that well, Floyd's been put to rest. And so this guy doesn't have any uh, uh, anything else to talk about. So he's going back on the, he's bringing this up so he can stay relevant. I think that the more and more they help push this narrative, uh, the black white narrative, uh, and the black white narrative, the more that it keeps people divided. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just I don't I don't want to put all the blame on them, but everyone. You know, it's a uh, a lot of the politicians. Mm-hmm. You know, when they say little things like Joe Biden's now famous, vote for me or you ain't black. That was something else. Right. You know. That, that was something else that made people go, oh, it gave people something to argue and talk about. And really, um, we were okay. I mean, you and me, we, and, you know, in our 20s and stuff, I mean, what, did we ever, in the middle of Missouri, did we ever go anywhere where they were like, boy, don't you come in here? You, you know, we, that never happened to us. Right, right. And just a point of uh, people know, uh, Cliff and I actually uh, came up together. We were, <laughs> we were best friends in, in college, and Cliff and I uh, lived in Columbia together. So we, we, we go way back. But yeah, oh, yeah. You're, but you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think that some people have to hold on to uh, their uh, their identity, like they see themselves as I am an you know I am I'm oppressed. The world's against me, and I think they cling to that image because without it, then what would what would you know what would it be? You know what I mean? Right. Right. What would be the uh, what would be the burden to bear? Sure. So to speak. Uh, I I mean I, I I get that, Cliff. I also feel like that. The, our media hasn't done us any necessarily favors in this. I know that bad news is good news. They try to focus yeah. on a lot of the negative. I mean, I've had people from other countries call me up and ask me if like me, my family are okay. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And they're like, well, I see all this looting and things on fire. And I'm like, you know, the most of the protesters, like 98% of them have been mm-hmm. peaceful. They're marching for a message and a mm-hmm. cause. There's 2% of people, they're not really protesting. They're just 
causing mayhem or, or destroying yeah. things, right? And mm-hmm. you shouldn't associate the two. They're, they're totally different things. And it's, it's kind of optics that kind of worries yeah. me about some of this and that that's taken away from the message here. And sometimes the media plays into that. Absolutely, Neil. And I'm glad you said it because I was kind of beating around the bush earlier because I didn't want to, you know, uh, because I didn't want to uh, come off as attacking media. Uh, but what I will say, you know, uh, about that is that I also think they jumped the gun on this because what I was talking about the past before, usually they rioted because the police officers in question got off with little, you know, barely a slap on the wrist. It was like this thing happened. Okay, world, what are you going to do about it? Uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, you know. We'll, we'll take them to trial, but they're on vacation with pay until then. You know, that was the thing that was the, the outrage. But with this, the world was already outraged. The world was already talking about it. And they were already, I mean, right away. So, I mean, I knew it took a few days, but people know that you have to get the charges right. If you don't, they walk on a technicality and then they're rioting anyway. Right, right. So they, the justice, he didn't get off free. They got him right away. But people were, before that decision was even made, before they even knew what the charges were, they were getting ready to riot. So that's what bothers me. But I think the media had that. That's that is one big way the media they were quick to tell everybody, oh, this is going on. They showed the picture. A lot of pictures you won't even find the other officers standing there. You have to search really hard to find one without just the knee on the neck. So the way they choose to tell stories is very harmful. Well, I'm exactly you're exactly right. I mean, that's the whole purpose of our show is to tell different stories because we believe that through telling different stories, stories about unity as opposed to division, that's the way that you make a better world. And so Neil brought up something very interesting, which is optics. And right now there's so much going on out of Seattle. Uh, the country's attention is brought to there, uh, you know, because of, of what's going on with those. I think it's six blocks right now where they've uh, taken over control. Uh, I'm going to go back to that for one moment. But before I I'm ask you about your opinion about that, I just wondered what, you know, I wanted to say that I think that there has been a lot of outrage, but I think that the outrage when, when I've been watching it for this past spring is you take the country, which was doing quite well before COVID-19, and uh, suddenly we're locked down and people can't earn a living and, uh, you know, and, and we can't be together. And, and, it, and this isn't even about whether or not that was the right policy or not, but I think it isn't unimaginable that people would begin to, uh, the pressure would build. So when something like this happens, that it explodes. And so we're, we're re- reacting to a lot of things right now. And I think that all of us in this nation are dealing with some form of PTSD uh, that's all wrapped up in this whole issue. Uh, but but uh, to go back for just a moment, I wonder what you think about what's going on in Seattle right now and what is occurring right now? Because obviously that is a big moment of optics to, to Neil's point. Ooh, so... Uh... So correct me if I'm wrong. I just started looking at the Seattle stuff yesterday. So they've taken over five blocks. Right, right. Trying to basically make a mini city state. Exactly, exactly. So they, uh, they've taken over the, I think, the, yeah, those those area, the East, East Police Precinct. And um, there's been, there's been I, I haven't seen this, but accusations that some people are turning that into like a mini Burning Man. Huh. Well, what's their, what do they want? Like, what's their... Well, they're different, their... they're different demands. And of course, it's really hard to tell going back to the media because I've heard, like Neil said, I've heard different uh, conflicting narratives, but essentially there are some de- demands. Some of them are about defunding the police. Uh, some of them have concerned reparations. Um, and uh, I think uh, free college as well. But I would say that it, even that, it's not clear if that's even true because I've heard... Uh, different right, right, right. 
But what is true is that this definitely has been taken over this area uh, of, of the city. And I wonder what your thoughts are about that. I'm going to say that that is um, very dangerous because it's getting to, you know, that's making another like, um, there are some, I can't, I don't want to, I don't know exactly, but there are a lot of uh, historical happenings like um, Waco, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and that could very easily become that if it lasts, you know, if it goes into things, if it goes long, right. because they're going to start running out of things. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're going to turn on each other. I don't like it. I don't think that it's a good idea. And I don't think that it's going to change anything and people are going to get hurt. I hope not. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, you know, as I said before, one thing, one reason that the media is harmful to things like this is because they keep preaching this old school narrative mm -hmm. of our of our country, like, you know, bringing out Jesse and uh, bringing out uh, Al Sharpton and things like that and having him come out and say the exact same things that he was saying when I was 20. You know what I mean? I mean, I grew up on that stuff. My mom, uh, you know, Black History Month was really Black History Month around my house. So, you know, I really got the full brain full of it. And he's pretty much saying the same things, even mm -hmm. though they're not lynching blacks in the street. They're not they're not sicking guard dogs on us. You know, right. you have white folk making barricades around, you know, <laughs> around people so they can't get hurt. That was happening here in Chicago. Right. You know, yeah. Right. So, again, we're not that we're not those people anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I think that that's the positive thing about all that, uh, uh, the rioting and everything, if people would just look at it. But uh, back to um, Seattle. Um, to me, it seems very, um, they don't have a game plan to me. You know, they have these five boxes and they're making these demands. And it's not going, it's, it's not going to last. And in the end, like all of this stuff, because I'm old enough to see it, at the end of the day, black folks are going to get the short end of the stick after all the rioting after all the violence, after people have forgotten the so-called reform and all this stuff, it'll be, you know, it'll be just, uh, swept away. It'll be a, you know, just a footnote. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So all that drama, all that pain and suffering and racial divide. And at the end of the day, those businesses will never be back in that neighborhood. You know, a lot of people will never get, you know, be able to come back from unemployment because of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So as a whole, riots are unproductive. It's just uh, some of these people's first rodeo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, well, it's actually interesting you saying that because the you said that's actually one of the challenges and that there's like really no organized leadership in in that like Chaz, whatever they're calling it now, zone. And right. You talk with and you know, and then there's you know the African American community. There's they actually have stated that they're concerned that this has happened before that you know people protest or fight for racial justice. And you have a lot of like white people out there in solidarity, but then they start doing other things and they forget and the whole thing winds up being a lost opportunity. Yeah. Like I said, you know, there's some fundamental things that need to change because the very essence of, I mean, I can only speak for myself on this. Um, as far as the uh, black community goes, me being at, uh, in my early forties, this image, this role of always, uh, in society of always being the victim, of always being um, someone that needs to be like the way that um, a lot of uh, ultra hardcore, like the hardcore liberals, how they talk as if blacks are something we need to, they need to be helped. How can we help them? What can we do, you know? And the sentiment is in the right place. Like I appreciate the sentiment, 
but there's only so much that can be done before, you know, we have to do a lot to help ourselves. I mean, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about uh, things that, you know, things in the community, there is leadership. It's not that there's a lack of leadership in the community. It's just that um, there's um, some old deep seated rules that need to uh, go away. And some of our elements, uh, some elements need to be discarded. I, I, I find I, I, I totally agree with you on that, Cliff. And it's interesting because just to run this for a second, like the city I live in is predominantly white and Asian. And right. I'm surprised, pleasantly surprised by how many people are out there peacefully protesting, even going to city hall. But it's, it's not just like the, the, you know, like the young people or the people that are angry or anything like that. You see parents actually taking their small kids out to go protest and help them understand what is actually mm-hmm. happening. Right. You know, you're talking about like, you know, coming together as a community and, and kind of tapping into this. Mm-hmm. I can really kind of see that resonance in that, you know, to, to enact more, more sustained change, we kind of need this attitude. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And um, I, I think in general, um, I really do think that um, it would do a lot of people good to, uh, just look up the history of rioting. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people out there condoning it. Um, and I think that if they knew the history, you wouldn't condone it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, it's never, I don't think LA ever recovered fully from the whole Rodney King thing. Right. You know, I think, you know, and then people forget, people forget, then all of a sudden, 10, 20 years later, they say, well, the white folks won't put into the community. Well, you know, remember those that store and stuff that you guys, you know, now, even though I will say in that situation back then, Rodney King, that was a very different situation. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'll just put that right. You know, that was a very different. But that's my point. This was a horrible situation. But unlike that Rodney King situation, these guys didn't get off. Right. And it'll probably be more to come. And I also believe that, um, you know, we have these other things like Amar Arbery, you know, all these cases. And it's just strange to me how. Every election cycle, these things sort of come up. Right, right. Well, yeah. along the same, going back to what you said earlier, <clears throat> it's funny you mentioned Waco because I was driving my car and listening to the thing and see about what's going on in Seattle. I was thinking the exact same thing. You know, Waco lasted for I think of several weeks or months before mm-hmm. they they came in and then they cracked skulls. Uh, right. And so, you know, I don't know what's going to occur here. I hope it does not go that way. I hope it it, it ends better, much better than that. Uh, but to go back to something that you mentioned earlier is. You know, I think, unfortunately, look, I think that it's wonderful that people are getting invested in this issue because this is not something new. I mean, th- these atrocities from the police have been going on for a very, very long time. And uh, but my concern is, you know, that they, we're getting we're hearing lip service and they're not dealing with the systemic mm-hmm. underlying economic problems because it's, it's cheap and easy to say, OK, we yeah. support this, but to do nothing. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, okay, we get all this attention on this. And then when the election cycle is over, everything is the status quo and nothing happens. So I wonder from you, how can we uh, divert and use this, use this powerful moment to make sure that we have real systemic economic change that benefits uh, our communities? Wow. This moment. Well, I, unfortunately we're kind of at the mercy of, I mean, since we only have, um, since they only give you the single participatory act of, uh, voting um, since they only give you that. But honestly, I guess I have to come with a little uh, my response. I'm going to be a bit hippie-ish because um, 
in the world today, it seems like people are satisfied. A lot, most people are satisfied with what's going on as far as uh, the reform bill and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that that is the change. But um, what I would say in order for us to bring one one each other uh, one another together for our communities is, I just think that everybody should just take a moment every day. You know, and I know this is going to sound uh, corny or whatever, but I just think on, uh, it has to start with us, and we can't we can't um, depend on the government. And that's not mm-hmm. an anti-government sentiment. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. uh, those people walk around in limos and stuff and ride around that the taxpayers pay for. You know, and so I think that we need to trust ourselves as a populace and put less faith in uh, their beliefs and what they do. Because since you have big money in politics, they always have an ulterior motive. You know, no no matter who they are, because they're probably in the pocket of a lobbyist of some sort. So I think that for our communities, I think that we just have to remember that America has come a long way, yeah. um, and that we are a truly diverse nation. And that uh, most importantly, I think if people remember what I always say skin tone only accounts for four percent of your biology so that probably that means that a lot of our differences and stuff are uh, you know are in our head mm-hmm. you know i'm not predisposed to be a certain way because of my skin color you're not predisposed to be a certain way because of your skin color no one is so basically we separate ourselves with things like culture and different values which is not a negative but we need to remember that we are more the same than we are different yes you know, we are, we, we are, it's, it's just the real talk. You know, I was on a website, Mike, uh, uh, just late one night and, um, I just typed in where do white people come from? And it's amazing. It, it totally maps out, uh, you know, genetically how it's, how we spread out over the world. And really it, it's just, it's just a matter of science and biology. It's crazy. You know, there, and so when I, when I look at the world after that, um, it just kind of reminds us of how interconnected that we all truly are. And I think that um, remembering that is the best thing that we can do. Yeah. I think that speaks to the power of diversity and inclusion, right? The more that we actually get to know about each other, mm-hmm. our culture, yeah. our heritage, our traditions, mm-hmm. the more understanding. I feel, I feel like people don't really hate mm-hmm. people as individuals, right. but as a mm-hmm. collective, it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think in some ways, you know, as far as the whole, uh, you know, when people use like, like diversity, I mean, you know, I'm all about it, I guess, in, in, in a way. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, for example, um, a little kid at uh, Comic-Con, you know, a little white guy, the white kid had a Black Panther outfit on, you know, and I was there were some black folks behind me that really took issue with it. And I thought, you know, and I thought to myself, like, you know, I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, you know, there's this thing that like, like they teach it as if. Okay, so I'm black. I can't relate to uh, a person on screen or a superhero if they're white. You know, that's kind of how a, lot, how a lot of people go about diversity. Like, I have to see myself represented. But in a way, it's kind of like going backwards because you shouldn't be doing that. You should be able to look at that and feel that you can relate to the person right. as opposed to, wow, that person's not my skin tone, so I can't relate to them at all. Right. You know, right. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, I think that it depends on how the word, the term diversity is used, because I think that we focus too much on our differences instead of what we have uh, that's the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I when I was an actor and I was playing a character I didn't like, um, my mentor would always say, find out what you agree with them with. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really glad you mentioned that, uh, because I think you're absolutely right. When you, <clears throat> the whole purpose really of acting and, and novel writing, too, is to uh, cultivate uh, empathy 
right? Because if you inhabit a role, right, you have to find the good. Um, I took an acting class one time and this person was playing a villain as a cartoonish villain. And what the person said is when you're a villain, you, you think you're you think you're a good guy. Um, even looking at somebody going yeah. as far back, you know, um, as uh, Lenin or, or Hitler, I mean, they think they thought that they were right for what they were doing. They didn't think, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a villain. Right, and, right. And I think if you look at acting, um, especially virtual reality, because I think virtual mm -hmm. reality allows us to go one step further where we inhabit a different role. Um, and so we get out outside of our, our normal bounds uh, of reality. And to your point, I think right. that we are have much, much more in common than we then we have differences and yeah. there more exercises that we can do that encourage empathy that allow us to think like the other person that's next to us or around us. That's how we get to a place that's that uh, leads to more unity. I agree. I agree. Totally, totally agree. But like I said, I still think, I just don't think that we can trust the government to get us there. You know, they, they, it's, it's convenient if we're divided. Right. Right. Cause if we all, you know, for everyone thought the same, you know, some people be out of a job. You know what I mean? If everyone thought the same about things, if everyone was united, mm -hmm. you know, they keep you united through uh, the way they tell stories, the way they cover things, the language, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, some of it, I think, is just straight up propaganda for it, you know, for racism, mm -hmm. for stirring the pot myself. Right. You, you should be the goal. And it's a powerful message. And Cliff, if people want to, Unify with you, understand what you're up to, how they might be able to help. How can they best get a hold of you? The best way to get a hold of me is um, you can get a hold of me on my YouTube channel, uh, Cliff London Uncensored. I usually uh, go on at uh, about 1 a.m. and also 12 noon. Uh, that'd be the best way to correspond with me on the channel. All right, that's Central Time, right? Yes, 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 Central Time. <laughs> I'm in Chicago, man. Time moves fast. Time moves fast. <laughs> Central Time U.S. <laughs> yes, yes, Central Time U.S. Well, thank you, Cliff. This has been an amazing interview, and I think that you really bring in some, some revelatory insights that people aren't, unfortunately, thinking about right now. So we just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show and talking oh, about this. Thank you for having me. Uh, great, great conversation, deep, heavy, but one that's much needed. Thank you, Neil. Thank you. It's very nice to meet you, sir. Thank you. Hey, if you like today's show, please remember to hit the like button and leave a comment. If you've been enjoying the Changing the Story podcast series, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you.